4: Tended to play a little too much hero
5: ball. It's a no brainer selection for Jacksonville. I believe he is a
6: true leader in every sense of the word.
5: I just fear for your fan base that that's what's going to happen. Uh, Back for day three of the ultimate mock
7: draft 2022, presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Unlike any other mock draft out there, you're getting local insights, expert analysis, insider information from Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, Mark Herzlich, and the folks that know and love your favorite teams better than anyone. And of course, us, your hosts, NFL analysts, and the host of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, me, Brian Peacock and former NFL and college scout Matt Williamson. It's so much fun in the first 11 picks. Matt, we are on to pick 12, and the Minnesota Vikings are on the clock. Locked on Vikings host Luke Braun ready to make that selection. We'll be picking number 12 through 17. We're getting through the first half of round one on today's program. And by the way, if your team does not have a first-round pick, don't worry because we will get to the first pick for every team in the NFL before we are done with this ultimate mock draft and it's been a lot of fun so far and uh, I can't wait for today's picks Matt because there's some really good players still on the board and what I love about doing this type of experiment the local experts they know their teams better than anybody and all of the hosts on the network follow the draft very closely right we all become draft nicks this type of year but the board never falls the way you think and in real life in the real NFL draft the board never falls like you think because there's 32 draft rooms with 32 mindsets and they're more closed off to the groupthink that happens in draft media. So that's what I love about this is when you see things and and it makes you raise your eyebrows a little bit, that's exactly what happens in the NFL draft every year.
5: It has been 8,000 million times in my life where I've analyzed a mock or talked about a mock or someone goes on these sites and tweets me and I'd be like, ah, but that guy could never get to the second round. Well, that's kind of foolish. I mean, like, unless there's a rash of crazy picks before that, you know, it happens every year, you know, where I can't believe that guy made his foul as far as he did and, you know, just the way that the board operates. So um, in this case, you know, we got Minnesota on the clock. I think there's one of those that just sort of stands out that is a no-brainer for the Vikings.
7: Need meets value with Derek Stingley yeah. right now on the board. He, yep, he would yep. be my number one player. Uh, really, the, the folks competing with him for that nod would be wide receivers. Drake London, the only receiver off the board. So there's a ton of 4-3 speed out there, if that's what you're into at the wide receiver position. Uh, Charles Cross, offensive tackle, is still on the board as well. Some really big defensive linemen, a couple of pass rushers. So a lot of talent out there still.
5: A lot of talent out there still. And you know, just to bring it back to the Vikes super quick, we finished last show talking about Washington, and I thought Washington would really be torn between Kyle Hamilton, who they took, and Stingley. And if there would have, if Washington would have went the other way, I think this would be a difficult choice for Minnesota. I think they were keeping their fingers crossed that Washington went Hamilton over Stingley. Otherwise, maybe you're in the Jordan Davis market or something like that. But uh, I think this is about a no-brainer pick as you can get at 12 overall.
7: We'll see if you're right. The pick is in. Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings standing by with the 12th selection of the Ultimate Mock Draft.
8: With the 12th pick of the Ultimate Mock Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback out of LSU. Look, he's a sticky man, cover man. That is exactly what the Vikings need, and they need it in droves. They are currently, I mean, that that cornerback room is a barren wasteland. So they absolutely have to get a cornerback. It's far and away the most dire need on the roster. So we're just going to address it. And honestly, Stingley's one of those guys I might have even thought about trading up for, uh but I didn't have to. He fell right into the Vikings' lap. Um, so, it was a pretty easy choice to slam him down. Now he's an LSU guy. He's going to get tutored by like Mr. DBU, which is Patrick Peterson, the guy who self claimed to have like started that trend at LSU. And he gets to go up against Justin Jefferson every day in practice. So, it's a whole kind of go Tiger's skull, purple and gold thing going on. And I love that. But beyond that, I mean, he's just a, a really, really good player. His freshman tape was absolutely insane. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see a lot of him in the last two years. But even from what we did get to see of him, even though it wasn't quite as elite as it was in 2019, still very, very good. No reason for concern for me. So we're sending it.
7: And it is Derek Stingley, LSU cornerback. Really a perfect scenario for the Vikings to sit back at 12 and just collect a a player they really need who has extreme value with the 12th pick, especially if he becomes the guy he looked like he was going to be early in his career at LSU. And look, just because he was maybe better as a freshman, that doesn't mean he was bad the rest of the time either.
5: No, he was just injured or, you know, there was COVID situations. There seemed like there was a lot of... Upheaval or uncertainty at LSU. I mean, they just fired their head coach, what, two years after winning the national cha- championship. So a lot of the LSU guys didn't have their typical year. And I'm not excusing it. I mean, I think he certainly made some business decisions in terms of whether I should play or not. And we're seeing college guys do that more and more. But he's immensely talented. And as much as I love Sauce Gardner, Stingley could be at least as good.
7: To break down this selection further, Odyssey expert Mark Herzlick on Derek Stingley to the Minnesota Vikings at 12.
9: Could you imagine a scenario better for a guy than Derek Stingley Jr. going to the Minnesota Vikings at the 12th pick? You know, LSU, cornerback, lockdown guy, potential pro bowler. Oh, wait, we have Patrick Peterson, who is exactly that, only about 11, 12 years older. And man, just you know, I obviously they didn't play together, but I've played with some LSU guys, uh, at, you know, like Odell Beckham Jr. And there's so much alumni tie into the current players. They go back, they tutor those guys, they they pull for them all the time. So I know these guys are close. So if Derek Stingley Jr. does get picked by the Minnesota Vikings at that twelfth pick and comes in with that type of guy as a leader, I think he'll be fantastic because I think the only knock on him is that really over the past two seasons, he's only played about ten games due to injury. Now that first year, his freshman year, he was just unbelievable. I mean, he he had, you know, fifteen pass breakups. He had a whole bunch of interceptions, um, and you know, thought he could be a first overall pick potentially. And you know, now he's come back. Obviously, running a four three seven, he's healthy. Uh, he's feeling good. He did great in the in um, in the drills section, and you know, this is a a team in the Minnesota Vikings that needs a lockdown man to man guy with Peterson getting older and. If they can get Stingley in there to take away that true number one receiver, hey, you could see another seven, eight years of this guy around. So uh, a great pick.
7: It would be awesome for them to get him. Not only do we have the NFL side of things covered here on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On LSU, Caroline Fenton standing by to break down Derek Stingley. Who was he as a college player, and what can he be as a pro? Who are the Minnesota Vikings getting here at pick number 12?
2: In Derek Stingley, you're getting as good of a corner as any because in that 2019 season, his freshman season, he was already ready then to go into the league. After two years of development, after two years of strength training, he is even more prepared. He's a really quick guy, but you pair his speed with his size. He's got an elite corner mentality. He's an absolute ball hawk and can work in a variety of different zone defenses. Now, one thing against Derek Stingley is he hasn't played a full season since 2019. He's been riddled with injury over the past couple of seasons, but I don't I think he's young enough and I think that he has enough experience that he's going to be able to bounce back quickly and whoever gets Derek Stingley Jr. not only is going to have an elite combination of size and speed, but he's just a really intelligent football mind.
7: A record number of teams, Matt, coming into this draft that already have multiple first round picks and a bunch of teams that obviously would not have first round picks then since that is the case. And I think more of that movement could be coming. Pick 13 could be one of those picks for sale. It is the Houston Texans on the clock for the second time in this draft and already at pick number three, selected cornerback sauce Gardner. And he's probably thinking, Oh man, If Derek Stingley would have made it here, it would have been like, I should have got a different direction, but no, Derek Stingley goes off the board at 12. So good pick at number three. I like sauce Gardner there. I have no problems with that. And a ton of ways that Houston could go here on the defensive line, on the offensive line and at wide receiver, I think would be the top three positions I would point at for the Texans at 13.
5: Yeah. And I'm just going to throw this out there because I'm not sure all our listeners are, you know, on board with this, but, I don't think Houston is thinking about quarterback this year. I think they like Davis Mills at least as much as any of these guys coming out. So maybe some people are like, boy, this is a no-brainer. They should grab one of the quarterbacks. I don't think that's the direction the team is going whatsoever. And I stand behind that being the right move. Um, you would love an edge pass rusher. I don't think there's one worthy of this pick. They went they went pretty quick, as you can imagine. I'm not on board for a N'Kobe Dean here. I would certainly consider a Jordan Davis just to kind of be the anchor of that defense. But to me, Charles Cross is the best player on the board. And for a team that kind of needs everything, I know Tunsell's their left tackle, I would just make it work no matter what. I think I'd just take him and say, I got a premium corner and a premium left tackle. And those are good building blocks.
7: And Larry Tunsell's contract would make him very movable next off right. right. And, and so, if you're, you can you maybe
5: know, even trade him after you make the pick. Right. You know? yeah, left tackle you know?
7: of the future could absolutely be a consideration. And yeah, talking about their quarterback situation, I think you're right. And it was former, uh, it was a Stanford head coach David Shaw who talked about his former quarterback, who said, you know, just because of there's, you know, some injuries and the pandemic and everything, he said if there was one more year of Davis Mills starting for Stanford, he thought he would have been a first round pick too. So maybe right, right. the Texans did sneak in and get a guy who was who would be right now in the mix for this pick anyway at 13
5: right i mean there's a strong case that he's more valuable than willis pickett ritter etc cetera, et cetera. you know and, and you got a year of knowledge with him and he's unbelievably cheap so that might be a home run when it's all said and done for houston we'll see and we'll see
7: where the texans go at pick number 13 cody davis of locked on texans who is the pick for houston with the 13 selection in the ultimate mock draft
10: and with the 13th overall pick of the 2022 NFL Draft, the Houston Texans select Chris Olave, wide receiver from Ohio State. Outside of improving the Texans' secondary, another priority for this organization is making sure that they continue to build around Davis Mills. And what is the best way to build around a quarterback? To make sure that he has some quality wide receivers to throw to. Yes, the Houston Texans did have an opportunity to extend Brandon Cooks to a two-year contract, but it's only for two years. For a guy like Davis Mills to continue to progress and continue to be the quarterback that we all are hoping to be, the next franchise quarterback for this organization, he's going to have to find a wide receiver to grow and develop with. Chris Olave is a wide receiver who has the potential to be this team's number one overall wide receiver for the future, and pairing him alongside Davis Mills could possibly get give this organization a second chance at having a prime quarterback with a prime wide receiver.
7: Okay. Going wide receiver, more speed on the outside for Davis mills. If you're going to stick with the quarterback, let's incubate him. Let's give him some weapons. Brandon cooks already resigned uh, an extension there with Houston this offseason, And now it's Ohio state wide receiver, the best route runner in this class. In my opinion, Chris Olave at 13 to Houston.
5: Hmm. Didn't see it coming but I'm not going to kill him for it either. I mean, uh, looking about you know, how often do we talk about make your young quarterback as comfortable as possible. Alave, to me, is the most pro-ready of these top receivers. He's going to come in and start immediately. And all of a sudden, there might be a position group with Houston that's kind of settled. You you mentioned Cook, um, Alave, and Nico Collins. They're all very different. They're a little bit different in age, Cook being the older guy. And, you know, Olave could eventually become that one as Cook ages. So you might have three receivers to build around with a second-year quarterback, you know. So I understand it.
7: Odyssey expert Sean Pendergrass standing by to break down this selection further, Chris Olave to the Houston Texans.
11: Coming off two first-team All-Big Ten seasons in a row, Chris Olave is one of the best all-around receivers in this draft. He's got outstanding acceleration on post routes and deep routes, and he snatches the ball with his hands when he's along the sideline. At the same time, Olave shows toughness on the inside route, so he can do it all. When defensive backs get up on him, he runs past them. When defensive backs play off of him, he steals yardage underneath. Olave is a super precise route runner, and his body control is outstanding. Teams will test him at the line of scrimmage, pressing him, but he does not lack football strength. He'll be able to get out of those jams at the line of scrimmage, and while he isn't imposing, he should be able to handle the physicality of the NFL level just fine. For the Texans, Olave would be a fantastic pick at number 13. Even with the return of Brandon Cooks on a contract extension and the drafting last season of fellow Big Ten wideout Nico Collins out of Michigan, the Texans still need high-level weapons for second-year quarterback Davis Mills. Olave is just the combination of reliability and explosiveness to fit as a perfect complement to Cooks. And Collins, and quickly grow into the eventual number one wide receiver for this team. While the Texans' history isn't flush with elite play at most positions, they do have a lineage of elite wide receiver play from Andre Johnson to DeAndre Hopkins, and Olave would fit perfectly right into that family tree.
7: To tell us more about the young man, Chris Olave from Ohio State, Jay
12: Stevens, OSU expert, to break it all down. The two-time All-American moves so swiftly on the field, I like to call him the smooth operator. It doesn't take very long for you to see Chris Alave torching his defender while watching his film. There are minimal wasted steps in each and every route Alave runs. His 4-3 speed enhances his ability to separate on deep routes. He has solid release packages that allow him to get off the snap and quickly slip contact. Expect Chris Alave to excel while lining up as the Z or the slot.
1: Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business.
3: Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
7: The Baltimore Ravens, Matt, picking at 14. This is a team that's better than a team that should be picking 14 in the NFL draft. They had a rough season, injuries. But this is a great opportunity for Baltimore to maybe maneuver around. If they want that one piece, they could move up in the draft. They could move down in the draft. Or they could just add that selection that usually you're not going to get if you're a team that has the playoff, the Super Bowl aspirations that the Baltimore Ravens do to to get an impact player this high in an NFL draft.
5: Yeah, you talked about moving around. I mean... Baltimore has a ridiculous number of picks in the, the valuable middle rounds. I mean, they have seven selections between number 76 and 141. Seven picks. So if they want to move up two spots or if they want to get some future picks, they're very much in the position to do so. They get tons of guys back from injury. I'm really excited about what Baltimore could be. And I look at uh, McDuffie or... A booth, you know, they were down their corners last year. Th- those corners, to me, would make a lot of sense. Um, Jordan Davis has been linked to Baltimore quite a bit. They've always had that going back to like Tony Saragusa. They've always had a massive anchor in the middle of their defense. <laughs> Brandon Williams, those type of guys. Peloti Nada has some, you know, Jordan Davis like traits. Um, but I mentioned Charles Cross a minute ago too. Kind of shocked he's still out there and. It looks like Stanley's ready to return, but that was a really nasty injury and uh, maybe just grab the best offensive lineman available. I also think Linderbaum would be a good Raven here, too.
7: I like the Halodi Nata comp for yeah, Jordan yeah. Davis. You know, it's shaped a little bit differently, Ron. but just that style of raw power and size, but the athleticism. You know, freakish to go with it. And, and Haloti Nato was one of those freaky guys back in the day. And, yeah, Baltimore's always had one of those. And they value that. And I think in that division, it might be a little bit different than the basketball on grass that happens in some other divisions oh, yeah. that's overtaking the NFL. So, yeah, offensive line and defensive line, you should never be surprised if Baltimore goes there or a man-to-man cornerback, right? So, I fully expect that to be the selection from Kevin Ostriker. Let's find out. The pick is in at pick 14 the Baltimore Ravens on the clock
13: with the 14th overall selection in the 2022 locked on NFL mock draft. The Baltimore Ravens select Charles Cross offensive tackle from Mississippi State. Now Cross represented the best player available on the board for the Ravens at number 14 at a position of need. So this was a pick that just had to be made for this team and Cross Played left tackle in the Bulldogs system at Mississippi State and played it very, very well. His strength is in pass protection. Very athletic player, can really match moves and match counters from edge rushers that they put on to cross. And while he doesn't necessarily have the most strength in the world, in the run game, he is still a very good run blocker. Can be a very physical player, a run blocker there but it still feels like the Ravens with the uncertainty surrounding Ronnie Stanley's health, they need another option at the tackle position and assuming Stanley does get healthy. They can ideally move cross over to the right side and have bookend tackles once again with cross and Ronnie Stanley that they haven't had since Orlando Brown departed last offseason for the Kansas city chiefs after demanding a trade. So cross being available for Baltimore at 14. Is it realistic? It might not be, but if he's available at 14, the Ravens could run that card up very, very quickly.
7: And they went to the trenches, Matt, and it is the offensive tackle in Charles Cross. Now, a better pass blocker than a run blocker right now just due to the scheme that he was in. He's getting a lot of comparisons to Andre Dillard a few years ago that didn't work out quite as well for the Eagles as they had hoped coming out of a spread system but I think Charles Cross is universally thought of a little bit higher and you might be getting the best pass blocker in this class in Charles Cross. And, you know, he's got tools to work with to become that run blocker that Baltimore would need as
1: well.
5: Yeah, I think he's clearly the best player on the board. So that's a very Ravens-like move, especially when you have all these picks coming up to fill their needs, just take the value. But there's a couple problems I have with it too, is that cross doesn't seem like the ideal guy to switch from left to right but he would have to here i think he's a much better prospect than trevor penning but i wonder if the run heavy ravens would think the same way but again best player on the board highest grade of anybody left so grab him
7: jason lock and Forest standing by in the odyssey studios to break down the pick further charles cross to baltimore
4: There are a multitude of ways the Baltimore Ravens could go with the 14th overall pick. This is higher than they're accustomed to picking. And it was born in large part out of their six-game losing streak to end the season that took them out of the playoff scene, that put them into the top half of the draft. And that fall, that demise came largely due to injuries. Left tackle Ronnie Stanley in particular. Stanley a few years ago became the highest paid player in the history of the organization. However, he has played almost no football the last two seasons. He came back from a serious ankle surgery last year, barely got through week one, then ended up having to go back under the knife. His future in doubt, Charles Cross would make a ton of sense for the Baltimore Ravens, as would someone like perhaps Trevor Penning as well, if they chose to address their tackle needs with their first pick in the draft. Ronnie Stanley was someone they thought was going to be a perennial all-pro for them. He's someone who did a tremendous job blocking for Lamar Jackson, which isn't easy. It's an unconventional quarterback. He holds the ball long. He scrambles. He takes unusual routes. That's not for everyone. Not everyone is athletic enough to do it. Charles Cross, I believe, could. Charles Cross would bring a bit of a mean streak to this line as well. It would allow other players to slot into their natural positions, but it would, Come at a cost. The Ravens badly need pass rush. And you can make the argument for a multitude of players here, particularly produce George Karloftis, if he was still on the board. I think a lot of the other pass rushers, at least four of them, will be gone before the Ravens pick. You can make a case for Jordan Davis. They need to invest in their D-line as well. But left tackle's a premium position. Ronnie Stanley's futures in doubt. Charles Cross would certainly make sense here.
7: Let's check in with another of our college experts here on the Locked On Podcast Network breaking down the SEC. That is Chris Gordy on the selection of Charles Cross to the Baltimore Ravens at 14.
4: Charles Cross, offensive tackle out of Mississippi State. Look, in the draft, that already projects to have two other offensive tackles going in the top five. Someone is going to get a steal, and Charles Cross, even if he's after Evan Neal and Ikea Quanu, with both those guys being off the board. He's 21 years old, but still relatively young in experience. He redshirted in 2019, appeared in just three games. By 2020, he was starting at Mississippi State, 10 games, and was named to the SEC All-Freshman team. This past season as a sophomore, man, he was a lockdown tackle in an offense that throws the ball a ton in a Mike Leach system. At his pro day, he worked out primarily as a right tackle, and that's where several teams like him a lot, but there's also a thought he could certainly play some left tackle as well. He still needs to prove himself in the run game, I think. But as a pass protector, man, Charles Cross is about as good as it gets.
7: All right, now it's time for the Philadelphia Eagles and New Orleans Saints to run things for a little while. We've got four <laughs> picks out of five. that goes Philly, New Orleans. It goes Chargers in between. Then Philly and New Orleans again through pick 19. We'll get to pick 18 and 19 on tomorrow's episode. But right now, we're going to finish up with 15, 16, and 17. That means... It is the Philadelphia Eagles on the clock at 15. Louis DiBiase and Gino Camilleri standing by there as the hosts of Locked on Eagles. And now things start to get a little bit more difficult, right? Because I think probably the top 12 or so of these 14 picks that we pretty much knew were going to be gone at this point. I think, you know, maybe 11. We weren't sure if Devin Lloyd would be gone yet, Drake London would be gone yet, or... Chris Olave would be gone Olave. yet. Although it's not shocking that any of those players were drafted in the first half of the first round. So I think Philly at fifteen probably had a pretty good idea of some players that were going to be on the board, but might have hoped one of those other eleven might have fallen here to them at fifteen.
5: Yeah, and, and I think your thought process here is would really like to get a receiver, but he, I don't want a real small guy. I kind of want somebody with a little more stature. London would have been ideal. Maybe Burks, you know, um, Wilson is still available, right? I mean, I think that would make some sense, yep. too. Guys that are a little different than Devontae Smith, um, but any receiver would be useful. But other than that, I think you have to look at defense. I think it's a little early for Karloftis, maybe a Jordan Davis, plug him next to like a Hargrave. I mean, we know they don't draft linebackers high, but could Dean be in the, in the mix? And I think there's two corners that kind of stand out, too, in, in Booth and McDuffie that are... Different. You know, McDuffie doesn't have as the traits that Booth does. Booth is more of a project, but McDuffie to me is the better player right now.
7: I really like Kyer Elam as well at cornerback. Mm, And I would put him I would put him in that group, even though I'm not sure if he would go necessarily this high. Uh, To me, it's gotta be wide receiver here. If Philly wants to go wide receiver, seeing that the Saints are behind them that have that need, the Chargers or yeah, the Chargers could absolutely go wide receiver at seventeen. So Make, have your you have your choice of every wide receiver except for Drake London, but maybe Drake London is the one they would want. And Alave, the most, Alave went too. Oh, and Alave, you're, yeah, you right. yeah. Alave's but still, gone. That's a good group. London would be maybe the best fit if you just want something that's the most different from the wide receiver you have, right? So maybe that would have been the pick. And and if not, mm-hmm. another skinny four three guy is maybe not the best to pair with Devonte Smith. You know, do you want another guy who's 180 pounds, even though he's fast? So, interesting selection here for the Eagles. I can't wait to see where they go.
5: Oh, yeah. I think there's a lot of options. Because Again, they're picking again in a minute.
7: Here we go. Turn it over to Gino, the host of Locked On Eagles, who is the selection at pick 15 in the Ultimate Mock Draft.
0: The Philadelphia Eagles are proud to select cornerback out of Clemson, Andrew Booth, Jr., Two out of the three corner positions are cemented in Philadelphia with perennial pro bowler Darius Slade taking the number one spot on the outside and one of the best young nickel corners in the league, Avante Maddox, making his mark last season, getting a contract extension. But with... Steven Nelson departing in free agency, there is a wide open race for that second corner position. Andrew Booth Jr. with his pure athleticism and his ability to play man-to-man coverage would be an instant upgrade and he would be the favorite to start outside of Darius Slay and Avante Maddox. The Philadelphia Eagles break a nearly two-decade-long streak and select a cornerback in the first round with Andrew Booth Jr. Jr., and they're proud to get a player in there that can match up with Darius Slay and Avante Maddox. Okay, they went cornerback. It was Andrew Booth,
7: the selection. Hmm. I'm actually a little bit surprised about this one here at pick 15. And he's a really good player, and, you know, first round guy, I think, all day long. But that means. If they wanted a wide receiver, they've got to wait and hope the guy they still want is there a little bit later, or maybe wide receiver isn't really the need after drafting so many wide receivers high for so many years in a row.
5: I didn't really see this coming. I mean, I threw the corners out there. Again, I think McDuffie's the superior player prospect, but I understand it. You know, like Booth and Slay aren't that different. You know, Booth's a younger version. That one day might turn into a shadow man coverage corner like Slay with length and traits. So uh, you, know, you have all these picks. Maybe you can wait for Boost to develop a little bit and have a really good pair. I understand it. You know, I mean, uh, again, receiver would have been something I th- certainly would have considered a Jamison Williams, a Garrett Wilson, somebody like that. But this, you know, you pick up a premium man coverage corner, it's hard to, you know, be critical of that.
7: Our Philadelphia Odyssey expert is standing by to break down this pick further. Andrew Booth, a little bit of a shocker in the
14: middle of the first round to the Philadelphia Eagles. Andrew Booth Jr. would be a really, really strong selection for an Eagles defense that desperately needs another starting outside corner. You look at last year and what their defense was able to do, or I should say maybe not able to do last year. And they just could not get any pressure on the quarterback. It was almost like a chicken or the A thing with the Eagles defense last year. They kept their corners so far off the defense because I don't think they trusted Steven Nelson, the veteran, opposite Darius Slay. They liked Devontae Maddox in the slot. But if you add Andrew Booth to this defense, who really excelled at, at Clemson, was one of the best big game performers in college football, I think it would give the Eagles three really solid to above average to excellent depending on where they're at in their career and health and all that. But starting quarters in the NFL, and the thing I love about Booth the most is his competitiveness. You watch him play, and you feel like every snap matters the world to him. And the Eagles have this whole thing about competitive stuff and the head coach playing you know, basketball with the players and shooting contests, rock, paper, scissors. Competitiveness is the word that was used over and over and over again with the Eagles last year, especially with their young players who are trying to bring it to the building to start this new program. Booth could do that. I think he's versatile enough to play within the man or zone in, in Jonathan Gannon's defense, a willing tackler. He's on you know a good team in college football, played in big games. He kind of checks all the boxes that you're looking for at the cornerback position, and I think Andrew Booth Jr. for the Eagles in the middle of the first round is a really smart pick. I don't think it's one that's going to get a bunch of people here in Philadelphia to go out and, and buy jerseys all of a sudden. Booth Jr., but the Eagles have not selected a corner in the first round since Alito Shepard in 2002. It's time for that to change. Boot Jr. can fill a need, could be an immediate day one starter. I think it'd grow into an impact corner in the NFL. And perhaps as Darius Slate ages and declines in the next couple of years, perhaps Boot Jr. could be the number one corner on the Philadelphia Eagles defense. Locked on ACC
7: host to tell us more about Andrew Booth and this selection for the Philadelphia Eagles at 15. Andrew Booth Jr., cornerback from Clemson University, could be the answer for teams looking to add speed, coverage ability, and aggression to their defensive backfield during the 2022 NFL Draft. Looking at Andrew Booth being in our conference, the ACC, you see a player, again, he's aggressive, he has great instincts for the ball. The only concern is he had a lot of help at Clemson with brackets, guys over the top backing him up so you worry could the aggressiveness get him in trouble at the NFL level I personally don't have that concern because watching this young man play the number two cornerback coming out of high school and 50 tackles five interceptions and 14 PBUs at Clemson I know that any team that lands this young man is going to have a great prospect on their hands and he should be able to find a role in a defensive backfield very soon The Ultimate Mock Draft rolling along two more selections on today's episode. We've got the New Orleans Saints at number 16, followed by the Los Angeles Chargers. And this is the first of two selections for the Saints coming up here in just uh, a handful of picks. So the New Orleans Saints did some maneuvering to get into this selection, to have two picks in the middle of round one this year and no longer have a pick in round one next year. To me, quarterback would have to be a part of that, and only one quarterback is off the board. So it is e- is it as easy as saying, okay, they did it, they held their water, and only one quarterback is off the board, or is this an offensive tackle wide receiver situation for the Saints?
5: Yeah, we've gone back and forth from this since the trade over and over, and I'm more of a believer that after signing Winston and Dalton that you'd like those guys and you want to add a tackle and a receiver with these two picks you got the Chargers right behind you. Maybe tackle would make sense now, but I guess L.A. could go either way. They could take a receiver or a tackle as well. But what presents itself is, well, Kenny Pickett's staring you right in the face. And I've said a million times, I think Sean Payton would have loved Kenny Pickett. And I think this new staff is pretty much on the same wavelength as the old staff. I mean, they didn't change much. So it's real decision time because – you know, you sit there at 16 before the draft starts and thinks and you think, well, well, there'll definitely be some receiver we like. We hope a tackle like Trevor Penning falls to us. Maybe pickets there and all three are available. So you'll get two of the three probably.
7: Penning, Jamison Williams, Garrett Wilson. And it's funny because offensive tackle and wide receiver could go with the next two picks as well. So right, right. you have to you have to look at it and say, okay, is there a bigger drop after, say, Trevor Penning, if he's the guy that's next up on our board at offensive tackle? Or since there's so many wide receivers, even if it goes wide receiver, wide receiver at 17 and 18, we still like another guy who would be there at 19 be just because there's more depth at wide receivers. So I got to believe, you know, Jameson Williams and Garrett Wilson, are they okay with the ACL? Those would be the wide receiver selections here. Or Trevor Penning, offensive tackle, or... Can he pick it if that's their guy at quarterback? That's got to be one of the directions they go to me at 16.
5: This went really well for the Saints.
7: You know, that it's
5: not like their options got erased. You know, everything's on the table for them.
7: Really good at 16. We'll see what's left at 19. The trade looks like it's really going to pay off if this is how the board falls for the Saints with a ton of directions they could go at pick 16. And let's find out which direction that is they go. Ross, Jackson, ready with the selection for the Saints at 16 overall in the Ultimate Mock Draft.
15: With the 16th selection of the Ultimate Mock Draft, the New Orleans Saints select Trevor Penning, offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa. After losing Teron Armstead to the Miami Dolphins this offseason, the New Orleans Saints have a big hole to fill on their offensive line at left tackle, the blindside protector for Jameis Winston for 2022. Now, the Saints could band-aid this situation with a player that they have a lot of confidence in, in James Hurst, but I'm choosing instead to go ahead and fill this role for the foreseeable future, or maybe even the right tackle role for the foreseeable future as trevor pinning did play at right tackle for over 500 snaps in 2020 which would allow the saints to move ryan Ramchek to left tackle if they wanted to go that route trevor pinning gives you a unique combination of strength and flexibility winning with leverage but also performing extremely well in gap and zone schemes the saints a zone run heavy team so he would fit right in as a plug and play option in 2022
7: And it was the offensive tackle, Trevor Penning, small school guy that has had a really awesome lead up to the NFL draft. His stock has just been steadily rising since the senior bowl. He's a physical offensive tackle and clearly a future left tackle is a need for the New Orleans Saints. And they found their guy here at 16.
5: Yeah, right. I mean, and if you if you look at Saints draft history, they invest in offensive linemen a ton, especially during the Breeze era, the interior line. They spent more than anyone in the league time and time again. And, and they understand their, their philosophy. They know who they are. Penning slides in where Armstead was. I'm sure he won't be that good, especially right off the bat. But this makes sense because, you know, the Chargers are next. I think tackle was their biggest need. And I like Raymond a lot. He would be my next tackle. But I think there's a little bit of a tear break here.
7: Let's go back to the Odyssey Studios where the New Orleans Saints expert is standing by to give us some more information and
12: the fit for Trevor Penning in New Orleans. Uh, Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa would be a great fit for the Saints. He was a three-year starter at Northern Iowa, uh, mainly at left tackle, but he could play on the right side also if needed. The two things that really jump out at me about Trevor is one, great size, uh, tremendous length. He does a great job of steering that guy to the outer edges as a pass blocker. Always been a great run blocker. Physicality, aggressiveness, all out on every play. And that he's like a throwback player. And he never gives up, never stops. And the second thing is the fact that he loves the game. Studies it and is a real student of the game, and that's impressive. So he would be a great fit for the Saints. He needs a little bit of work with hand placement and his body balance skills, but I think he's one of these type guys. He comes into the league; it won't take him long to figure it out. Outstanding prospect for the left side along the offensive line. Brandon
7: Olson back our locked-on college expert to break down the small school prospect and the guy with some of the most helium in this NFL draft class, Trevor Penning.
13: Trevor Penning is one of those offensive linemen that I really like because he is that throwback offensive lineman. He's mean, he's physical, he's nasty, but he's also athletic enough to work in pretty much any scheme. He's not going to get left behind by the changing times of the modern day NFL. He is a great scheme fit for almost every NFL team, and I could imagine that every NFL team is going to want a player with his demeanor on their offensive line for years to come.
7: That brings us to the Los Angeles Chargers, who are on the clock at pick 17 in the ultimate mock draft. Matt, a number of ways they can go. If they were looking offensive tackle, there might be a gap, or who knows? Is there another tackle you think you could fit in here at 17? A a team like the Chargers, they're all about the passing game. Are they going to try to outscore people? Are they going to. Draft another wide receiver for their young star quarterback. I know run defense has been a problem. They've addressed some of that in free agency. Do they just draft the biggest, baddest dude in the middle of that defense to help that unit out? A number of ways the Chargers could go. And in a lot of ways, I think the board fell pretty well unless offensive tackle was the one need they wanted to hit hardest at 17.
5: Yeah, like I don't think they're thrilled depending just run off the board right in front of them. They probably had their fingers crossed on that. It's a little early for Bernard Raymond, but if that's the the final piece of the puzzle, I would totally understand it. Tackles don't grow on trees. I totally get that. I keep bringing up Trent McDuffie. I mean, I, I'm a little shocked he's still out there. You can always use another corner. They're not loaded at that position. Uh, you kind of implied you know Jordan Davis would make some sense. Their run defense was awful last year, but they have signed several defensive tackles. All of a sudden, that meeting room might be a little crowded. Do you just take... Another fun toy for Herbert, you know, I mean, I'm in love with Jamison Williams and I would have taken him over maybe all the receivers in this draft. They could sit around and wait while he heals. That would make some sense too.
7: Yeah, Garrett Wilson and Jameson Williams, maybe the two most dynamic wide receivers in this class are still on the board. And it's tough because Jameson Williams probably should go by now. But a team that really likes him, it's hard to not only draft a a guy coming off a, a really late season ACL injury. This high in round one, but also if you wanted to trade up for a guy, you're going to spend two picks on a guy who's currently hurt. That That's probably a tough sell in some draft right. rooms. So we'll see how much that hurts Jamison Williams on draft day. But a lot of folks, if he didn't tear that ACL, I think would agree that he might be the number one wide receiver in this class. And if not him, I think Garrett Wilson has been most commonly the number one wide receiver in mock draft boards. And they're both still on the board right now uh, in the second half of round one. So let's get to it. Let's find out who the Chargers select in the ultimate mock draft pick 17. <laughs>
16: With the 17th pick in the ultimate mock draft, the Los Angeles Chargers select Jamison Williams, wide receiver, Alabama. Jamison Williams will impact this team right away with that explosive speed that the Chargers have desperately been looking for. He's a great route runner. He can really win with his quickness off the line of scrimmage. You just put the ball in his hands and he can create. He can get those yards after catch. You do a bubble screen, a wide receiver screen, a swing pass, you get the ball in his hands and he has the ability to take it the distance. He's very, very dangerous, and that can open things up for the Chargers who have great underneath options like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and also the ever-dangerous running back Austin Eckler. Jameson Williams could be that missing piece, that missing link that takes a top-five offense to possibly the best offense in the NFL.
7: You know, Matt, the more I think about this, the more I love it with Jamison Williams to the Chargers at 17. The value is there. And look, they've got a couple of really good wide receivers, but Keenan Allen is not getting any younger. And you right. have some time to develop your young wide receiver in Jameson Williams. And if he's not a stud for you until 2023, that's OK. But he should be back in time for a playoff run, potentially, for those Chargers and to help. That stretch run in the AFC West in 2022. And wow, how about that speed, that breakaway ability for him paired with the strong arm of Herbert? I mean, that is a fantastic pairing for the Chargers and probably would get Chargers fans pretty darn excited at 17.
5: I adore the player. I love him. Don't get me wrong. You know, and so I had no problems at all with this. If you're going to give a young quarterback more weapons, great. He's a lot different than Allen. He's a lot different than Mike Williams, who they gave a good buck to as well. Uh, again, they can wait on him. I like Palmer from last year, the rookie from a year ago. So you may even have four receiver sets that are scary, plus Eckler is a receiver. They're not loaded at tight end, but oh, well, you know, I mean, uh, uh, this makes him a better team for sure.
7: Michael Irvin, the playmaker, I wonder what he thinks about Jamison Williams, the wide receiver out of Alabama to the Chargers at pick 17 in this Ultimate Mock Draft.
10: Oh my God. What a great steal this would be for the Chargers to get Jamison Williams at this pick. Jamison Williams, to me, is the best receiver in the 2022 NFL draft and he's a home run you can get him and put him with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen the way Keenan Allen works the middle of the field the way you use Mike Williams to go over top and make all of those plays boy the the LA Rams may not be the only team in LA with a Super Bowl if the LA Chargers can get Jamison Williams
7: And back again, Luke Robinson, always very busy in these mock drafts. Locked on Bama host to break down Jameson Williams. What kind of dynamic player he was at the University of Alabama after transferring from Ohio State and now headed over to Los Angeles.
17: Jameson Williams, wide receiver at the University of Alabama. Uh, What a fast, fast player this kid is. One of the fastest players I've ever seen at the university. This is a kid that was a hurdler in high school and a track star, goes to Ohio State. You know he gets put through the ringer there. Uh, And then he comes to Alabama, and you know he's facing incredible, stiff competition when he gets to Tuscaloosa in the SEC West. So he's going up against some fantastic corners every single week. Then he played in the playoffs, both at Ohio State and Alabama. So, again, he has played very long seasons against very quality competition throughout his career. uh, He's led the nation in most – touchdowns over 30 yards receiving with 11 touchdowns over 30 yards that's absolutely incredible tons and tons of speed uh yes he needs to work on uh getting off jammed at the line a little bit better but overall fantastic prospect if it weren't for the acl tear i think he would have gone a little bit higher
18: As we move on with the Ultimate Mock Draft, pick 12 comes into the Vikings with Derek Stigley, the corner from LSU. The Texans bring in Chris Olave, wide receiver, Ohio State. The Ravens are back with Charles Cross, the O-tackle from Miss State. Eagles, Andrew Borth, corner from Clemson. The Saints come back with Trevor Penning, the enormous... Offensive tackle from Northern Iowa. And the Los Angeles Chargers wrap it up with Jamison Williams. The thing that stands out to me is that you saw a little bit of a tumble for Derek Stingley, a little bit of a tumble for Chris Olave. Everybody else seems to be in a spot where we think that they could have gone. I don't see a ton of surprises here. My favorite fit is Stingley to the Vikings. And I know Mike Zimmer isn't anymore. He'd probably be a lot happier if he was still there with Derek Stingley on board. But this is a fit and a need, and I think a chance for him to maybe just feel comfortable staying in a uniform that's gold and purple. And I think if he's going to land somewhere, this is a good spot for Derek Stingley. I think he tested well. I think that's got to put a lot of worries aside. I like the fit. What do you think, Kroc?
6: I'm actually a little bit surprised at what the Texans did, drafting Chris Olave out of Ohio State, wide receiver. And I love it. I actually love the pick. And I don't know why I haven't thought about that pick myself. You know, looking at Chris Olave and what he can bring to that offense – you, know, you have Brandon Cooks, they just locked him up for another couple of years. I think that was a big time extension for them. But bring a lot of it out there and he brings just a different element of not just the speed, but the smoothness and route running and right after catchability and things like that. But it also shows me that, you know, at least for now, they're committing to Davis Mills. And this is a quarterback who I feel like has been kind of disrespected a little bit as it pertains to like the second year quarterbacks. They are talking about, you know. Trey Lance. They're talking about Justin Fields and how to help him. And, uh, and they've made all the excuses for Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. But no one is talking about how maybe the second best rookie quarterback in last year's class was Davis Mills. Now, I like the Texans kind of committing to him and also adding a weapon to really help him. Jameson Williams is an
18: interesting pick here. This is, I think, a, a decent risk, but this is a player that has some question marks. It wasn't, I think, a sure fit, but you got to like what it does to add firepower for Justin Herbert out there in Los Angeles.
6: Yeah, and I mean, I would have liked for them to take offensive line here, but as we can see, Trevor Penning just went off the clock, uh, picked before the Chargers. They would have had to leapfrog the New Orleans Saints to grab Penning. So looking at what Williams does, and it brings a different dynamic of like pure speed and explosiveness. You have Kenyon Allen. Terrific route runner, gets open, catches the ball. Great. You also have a contested catch D-ball guy in Williams who they just locked up for another few years. But now they have more of the pure speed and explosiveness with a quarterback that might have the biggest arm in the NFL.
7: To be honest, Matt, it's hard to find something I didn't like here on day three of the mock draft. If If I had to point to one that I think value didn't really match up with their selection with how much... You know, power the Eagles should have over the middle portion of the first round to not be able to maneuver around to make sure they got the most valuable possible with their two picks. Andrew Booth at 15 just feels like uh, not quite enough value for me at that portion of the draft to, you know, even though he meets a need and he's a really good player, I feel like that's the that one pick day three here that I didn't absolutely love for that team.
5: Yeah, Booth and Alave were the ones that I totally understood but wouldn't say wow, great job, that's a home run. you know. But I do understand it considering where those teams are at. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, I mean, I guess Stingley's the low-hanging low fruit. I mean, that worked out perfectly for Minnesota. But I- I'm going to stick to where we were at there. Again, I can't say enough good things about what I think of Jamison Williams as a player. And if they don't have to rush him back and he can – you're going to get this guy healthy for four and a half years of a first-round contract with Justin Herbert – Look out,
7: man. Yeah, I don't think Minnesota, Baltimore with Charles Cross, Trevor Penning in New Orleans, for them to have been able to grab offensive tackle four off the board there. I'm sure they got excited once they saw at pick 14, Charles Cross was also still on the board there for the Saints. And then Jameson Williams, I love that value and what that could look like in the future of that passing game for the Chargers. So love all of those selections on today's show. Looking ahead to day four of the Ultimate Mock Draft, we've got the Eagles and Saints up again at 18 and 19. Your Pittsburgh Steelers mad at pick number 20. Quarterbacks are still out there for you. There's some guys. And yep. we'll finish up day four with the New England Patriots and the Green Bay Packers. But there's a lot of phone calls happening and a lot of conversations. Uh, will there be some movement in the second half of round one in this mock draft? Find out tomorrow on day four of the 2022